Good morning and welcome to Church of the Palms. We're so glad you found your way to us today. Church of the Palms, our mission is to love God and love neighbor, which Jesus said were the two greatest commandments. Our prayer is that these two commands guide everything that we do, our worship, our life together, and our service to the community near and far. This morning's service is our sanctuary worship service. Lyrics to the hymns will be on your screen, as well as scripture texts when the message has begun. You can also access our bulletin on churchofthepalms.org right on our homepage. For those who enjoy worshiping in a more contemporary fashion, there's a contemporary service held on campus. Whichever way you'd like to worship, we hope you can share the opportunity with friends and family who might be searching for a church home. If you'd like more information about any of the announcements mentioned in today's service, feel free to give our office a call or visit us online. Our website is also a great way to learn more about our mission to love God and love neighbor and all about our small groups, classes, and community outreach efforts, some of which you can attend online. If you'd like to financially support Church of the Palms, there are several ways you can support our mission to love God and love neighbor. One of the easiest is online giving, the options of which you will find posted later in the service. We're so glad you chose to join us this morning. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Church of the Palms. My name is Judy Connell and I serve as a deacon in our congregation. Let us now prepare our hearts for worship as we bow our heads for the prayer of invocation. We come to you, O God, a believing but skeptical people. We have seen too much evil all around us and within to be convinced that Christ offers the last word. And yet we are drawn to the message and example Jesus lived among people like us. There is something genuine and compelling in both word and deed that we want to explore and affirm. Guide our inquiry and go with us in our struggle to understand and trust in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us praise God through our worship.
in body or spirit, please stand for the responsive call to worship. Peace be with you in the name of Jesus Christ, who has conquered death and shown us how to live. God gives us counsel and instruction and is always available at our right hand. In hope and confidence, we come to praise God for the heritage and opportunity given to us. Let us worship God.
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sin and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In humility and faith, let us confess our sin together. Let us pray. O oh God, our loving Father, we confess the worry, the sorrow, and the trouble we have caused which has made it hard for others to forgive us, the times we have led others to do wrong, the harm we have done and cannot undo, which makes it hard for us to forgive ourselves. Most of all, we are sorry for forgetting that your amazing grace never fails to call us home and that your love wins even over death through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us continue our prayer with our silent confession of sin. Amen. Christ lived, Christ died, and Christ rose from the dead. His love and mercy are from everlasting to everlasting. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. together what we believe as written in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you.
As the children come forward for the children's moment, let us greet one another with the peace of Christ. Good morning, boys and girls. You might want to turn around this way this time. We're going to, I know you have to look at me, which is no fun, but, you know, and we don't have time, we don't have time for breakfast questions today, because today is a really special day. Does anybody know what's special about today? It's a birthday, but it's not someone's birthday, it's something's birthday. You know what that would be? Any idea? You think you know? No? Yeah? God's, well, no, not really. I mean, I don't know when God's birthday is unless December 25th would be Jesus' birthday. But no, today is actually the birthday of this sanctuary, this church that you're sitting in right now. 30 years ago, there was nothing here. And they built this beautiful building. Just look at this place. Isn't it amazing? So since it's a special day, and since we're celebrating the 30th birthday today, we are lucky enough to have the man who was the pastor on that day, he's here with us to preach to us today. His name is Dr. Porter. Can you say, welcome, Dr. Porter? Welcome, Dr. Porter. There he is, right up there. And that's right. So now look out there again, and I want you to think how many people you think fit into this building, because this is a big place, right? How many would you think? It's like the jelly beans in the jar kind of question. How many do you think? 105. 105. Any other guesses? That's a good guess. 105 is our only guess. Somebody think more or less than that? No? That's it? Here we are. 57. 57. We're going downward. Okay. Well, I'll give you a hint. Uh, last week when we had Easter, there were 750 of us here. So it's got to be a little more than that, right? What do you think? 800. 800. Ding, ding, ding. That's it. Exactly. 800 people can fit in this church. And my next question is, how tall do you think the ceilings are here? That's a tough one, right? In feet. How many feet tall? 100. 
A hundred feet? It's got to be pretty high. Anybody else? What do you think? Here we have another one. No? Don't know? Okay, I'll just tell you. It's 35 feet from right here. And it better be because there's something that's going to happen in a minute. It's 30 feet, 35 feet. And there was a Danish priest once who said, we need tall places for our churches. Why? Because when we come to church, we have big feelings. We have big feelings. Feelings like love, feelings of joy, sometimes sadness. They're all big feelings. And we need a tall space. Does that make sense? So we build our churches tall. Now, Jesus can meet with us anywhere. He can meet with us when we're riding our bikes or when we're lying in bed trying to fall asleep and we want to pray. God is there too. But isn't this worth celebrating the size of this place with a 35-foot ceiling? So I thought what we should do is celebrate by doing a surprise birthday party for the building. The building doesn't know. We have to be quiet first. The building has no idea. And we're going to, on the count of three, we're going to say, surprise. You know how you do that for a surprise birthday party, right? So on the, let's practice once. One, two, three. Surprise. Okay, so we got to do about ten times louder than that, okay? Ready? This time make it count. This is for the 35-foot ceiling, 800-people church. So it needs a big surprise. One, two, three. So I just thought that would be a nice thing to celebrate today. And now let's just see if we can pull ourselves back together enough to have a prayer finally. So let's, let's pray. This time, actually, when you pray, you can, you can look upward. It's fine. You don't have to close your eyes. Okay? Dear God, thank you for a big church. Thank you for big feelings. Thank you most of all for Jesus. Amen. Okay, you can go on to your school. Follow Miss Carol, please. you've never had a children's moment like that, have you? <laughs> Balloons flying, all kinds of good things, so wonderful, and uh, so glad that you're here with us today as we celebrate this wonderful birthday of uh, this wonderful, wonderful sanctuary, and in a little bit, we will take a moment to rededicate ourselves to this uh, this place and to whatever happens in this place in the future to come. So we 
would love to welcome you as well and invite you to come next door underneath the, the uh, beautiful oak tree where we'll have some reception. We have a big cake. We got a birthday cake uh, for uh, Church of the Palm Sanctuary. So come on out, grab some cake and enjoy some festivity. Go to the welcome table and find their information about what's going on in the life of our church in these upcoming weeks. And also you can talk to Heather, our hospitality coordinator, who's lo looking forward to uh, enlisting more and more people in this wonderful opportunity of ministry of hospitality. So go find Heather and she'll be glad to talk to you about that and give you an opportunity to serve in that very important capacity. We are looking forward to education unfolding uh, over the course of the next few weeks. Just because Easter has come and gone doesn't mean that our, uh, the uh, opportunity to learn about our faith and about the scriptures uh, are not still present with us. And so this Wednesday, we continue our Bible study over at Wednesday Night Life. We're going to be looking at the 16th chapter of Mark over the next two weeks, perhaps the most important chapter in all the Bible. And we're going to be spending some time looking at the story of the resurrection and what it might mean for us. So join us for that. And then next Sunday, we will be having our Gather and Grow, and we're looking forward to uh, the theme Praying and Color, and there's information about that in your bulletin, uh, but we look forward to welcoming a guest speaker to share with us a little bit about what it might mean for us to pray in color. Our Senior Wellbeing Lecture Series is this Wednesday on April the 19th, and the uh, topic is Veterans Service Benefits and How to Find Help. Very important information for you to have, especially if you are a veteran or no one. So please uh, show up for that on April the 19th. Our new members class is next Sunday on April the 23rd at 10.15 in the chapel. So if you would like to learn more about membership here at Church of the Palms, we'd love to share with you that information and invite you to be a part of our life here uh, at Church of the Palms. Last Sunday, we had a wonderful Easter celebration. We filled our sanctuary. We were grateful to be uh, greeted outside underneath the tree. Actually, it wasn't outside because it was raining, so we were in the Palm Center. And uh, we were the recipients of wonderful gifts of Easter bread, uh, hundreds and hundreds of loaves of Easter bread that were made available by people like you and our congregation. And we want to give you thanks for making that hospitality available for all those who came our way. And we are also grateful to have our guest musicians today, our Sound of Glory Orchestra that performed before the service began during our prelude. And we look forward now to Daphne Wagner, fresh off of her master's recital and viola will be here to uh, continue to lead us in worship so let us continue Thank you. 
bet you never heard the viola played like that. Wonderful. Thank you, Daphne. Welcome back home from the University of Toronto, where she's completed her master's degree. Well, as we have been mentioning already in our service, uh, this marks the 30th anniversary of the dedication of this magnificent sanctuary. It is the third sanctuary over the 66-year history of Church of the Palms, the first of which is now our chapel, which was beautifully redone just a couple of years ago. The second is, which is what is now our campus center, which we now presently and even right now are holding our contemporary service. And this sanctuary was conceived and built in the early 1990s and was dedicated on April the 18th, 1993. We have a little video that we'd like to show you that includes some footage from the dedication service as well as some glimpses of life within these walls since then. So let's run the videotape. Christians because we're good. We're Christians because God is. Let all who come welcome each other in the spirit of forgiveness the way God has welcomed them. Amen. preacher of the day 30 years ago was Dr. Ernie Campbell, once the senior pastor at the Riverside Church in New York City. We are blessed today, as we've already heard, to have as our preacher Dr. Bruce Porter, who was the senior pastor at Church of the Palms 30 years ago when this building was built. There's a quick clip of him in the place in the video where he was placing the cornerstone for the building. Your hair was a little darker back then, Bruce, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Dr. Porter was the pastor here for 20 years and is now our pastor emeritus. The chair of the campaign to raise the money to build this magnificent house of God is also here today and is sitting where he normally and humbly sits way back there in the back, Bob Geyer. Would you please stand, Bob, so that we can acknowledge you as well? It was an enormous undertaking to raise the resources required for this great space, which was a great sacrifice on the part of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Many of you were here at this time when Church of the Palms began worshiping in this space, 
And I would like to have you also please stand as we celebrate this day. Give them a big round of applause as well. It's always wonderful at that moment to realize that there are those who have gone before us to make this space available for all of the rest of us who are here today. And that is one of the great and marvelous things of the church, to have the vision always for the future, to know that others will come to worship God through our ministry. We have much for which to be grateful as we not only look back, but also as we look ahead. Church of the Palms, as rich as our history has been, is really just getting started. Thanks to so many, our foundation is strong, our mission is clear, to love God and to love neighbor, reaching out, not because we are good, as Dr. Campbell said, but because God is good. So as we look ahead to the next 30 years and beyond, let us turn to our bulletins, to our prayer and litany of rededication based almost entirely on the litany of dedication 30 years ago. Dearly beloved, since it has pleased Almighty God to put into the hearts of his servants to build this house for his worship, let us now fulfill the godly purpose for which we are assembled of rededicating it to the honor of God's most holy name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we do this to the glory of God the Father who has called us by his grace, to the glory of the Son who loves us and gave himself for us, and to the glory of the Holy Spirit who illumines and empowers us. For the worship of God and praise and prayer, for the reading and preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the celebration of the holy sacraments of grace. For the giving of comfort to all who mourn, for strength to all who are tempted, for light to all who seek the way. For the gathering together in prayer and marriage and a witness to the resurrection. For service and outreach to this community and as a center for Christ's mission to the world. With gratitude for all whose faith and consecrated gifts made this house possible, and thanksgiving for the labors of all those who have lived and served this church for 66 years, and with prayers for all who shall worship here in years to come. And now, as a people within the household of God, in the unity of faith, in the communion of saints, in love and goodwill to all, in gratitude for the gift of this house to be a habitation of God through the Spirit. We do ourselves to the worship of God and to the We are blessed so richly in so many ways. We are blessed by this beautiful building, by the lives of the people and the time they spent making it possible, and by the lives that we share with one another in this special space. In truth, we are blessed beyond all deserving. How wonderful then is the opportunity placed before us to share what we have received. There are a number of ways to give in support of our shared mission of loving God and loving neighbor. You can give online, by text, or in the baskets as you leave worship today. Our giving of our time, of our treasure, 
It helps to carry the word of God's love into places of hurt and of need. God's gifts are so great, we can know that by the power of these gifts, they'll find their way to the places and to the people who need them most. Let us give generously and with grateful hearts.
Let us pray. Generous God, you are our portion and our cup. In you, our hearts are glad, our souls rejoice, and our bodies rest. Bless and multiply our offerings that they may bring the joy of your presence more deeply into the world. Amen. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recover of sight to the blind. He set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and then he began to say to them, Today, that scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is this not Joseph's son? And then the second passage is from the end of Jesus' ministry uh, here on earth. 
And it says, then Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing the disciples, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, praising God. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our Savior. Amen. It's with gratitude I come here today. I told people when I retired from this congregation that I was going to come back and sit in the back of the church. And I have my family sitting back there now. Groucho Marx, who was uh, the most famous of the Marx brothers, once made a famous comment about his being received into local groups. He said, I would never join a club that would accept me as a member. <laughs> he thought that among the groups he knew that they would have better taste than to bring him in. Well, the church has no such restrictions. <laughs> No matter, no matter what your background or your failings or your weaknesses or even the strengths you may have brought with you, we welcome you all in the name of Christ. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, old or young or middle-aged, whether you are a high school student or college graduate, whether you're a CEO or a union member or a PEO or an AARP, we do not require two personal references and a credit card check before you can join here. <laughs> you don't have to have a perfect disposition. Believe me, in 60 years of ministry, I have never really found an ivory soap Christian. That is somebody who was 99 and 44 100% pure. We are not a society of the elite. We are not a group of plaster saints. We are a hospital for sinners. The last time somebody criticized the church to me by having too many hypocrites who don't really live up to their faith, I said, you know, you are right. We all admit it. Come join us because there's room for one more. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, by now, you know that by today, on this 30th anniversary of this dedication of the sanctuary, I'm going to talk about the church. And I want to ask, you know, why do they come? Why do they come? There's so much talk today about the church being in retreat. Have you noticed that? But let's tell it like it really is, even today on a low Sunday. More people are in worship in, in America than, on, uh, than, than are doing any other kind of thing in life. There are more people in worship in America today than are at professional football games or at baseball games. There are more people in America's cities and small towns on Sunday in church than go to the beach or play golf or pickleball. 
Why do they go sometimes when the services are not terribly professional? Now, not here, of course. We are very professional here. But as one writer said, St. John's near the gas station, it's pretty raw and sometimes blah there. So why do some people in our contemporary time turn on their television sets and see us here on Sunday morning to see the worship? And if you want to get really biblical about this, why did Jesus come to church? Did you ever think about that? We read this morning that Jesus went to the synagogue as his custom was. It was a habit. It was a habit, and it's amazing to imagine it with all that was wrong with the establishment of the synagogues and the community of people of that day. Then we turn to the end of what, what we know as, as Jesus' earthly life, and the Bible says these people, once they get over some of their doubts and concerns, they were continually in the temple. And they were there because of Easter, and they were there with joy. So why did the church people, what did they do even in those early days? You think about it, in those early days of persecution under the Roman emperors, Nero and Diocletian, why in that time did they put their life on the line under the persecution of of the Roman emperors, Nero and Diocletian. Why in our time have these cell groups continued to exist in China and Russia and have survived the generations in governments that were antagonistic to the church and antagonistic to them? They met in these clandestine places to worship underneath the streets and in back rooms and in caves and in fields behind the grain. That was their sanctuary. Well, why then and why now? Now, I know there are mixed motives, but there are some abiding reasons why they were here and why you are here. First of all, they came to church to meet God. In the book of Ecclesiastes, there is a phrase which says, God has put eternity in your heart. Our world, world, you know, is filled with so many activities and things to do so much that demands our attention, so much that interferes, some some of which are pretty superficial in the long haul. But we are meant, you see, to be part of God's creation, which means we ask some very deep questions. Who am I? What am I doing in this world for 80 or 90 years if I'm lucky? Do I have responsibility to others besides my spouse? and my children and my grandchildren? What happens when a loved one of mine dies? There is eternal God who has the right to know how we answer those questions. And we don't come here to talk about God as much as we come here to meet with God. And we do it in scripture, which is read in sermons, which are delivered that comfort us and challenge us in our preconceptions, and then our sacraments, which we act out in the table and in the font, 
in songs that are sung with fervor and with anthems that stir us, and with instruments that we have in our church's life here, and by a creed that connects us with the people of the past and prayers that lead us, and then an offering which allows us to share in the good news to the community in which we live. Now, of course, every Sunday is not a great experience of the presence of God. Of course not. Yet I want to tell you, it beats the times that I have known God on the tennis court, or at the mall, or at the beach, or even at sunset times. And through the years, there was scarcely a Sunday that I didn't sense the awe of God's love being presented to us here, and the wonder of Jesus coming down with forgiveness and life for us. And through the years, they came, and to, they came because they wanted to meet God and to be winged by Him. There was one day <clears throat> a minister who was standing outside his church down on the sidewalk, and a little boy came up and said, Hey, mister, is God in there? And the minister said, Yes, son, in a rare and marvelous way. Secondly, they come to church because they know they need to remember. We joke as we get older about the fact that we can't recall so many things, names and numbers and dates. But there's a more serious memory loss. We can forget God and his ways if we don't rehearse it on a very regular kind of basis. Albert Einstein said, you know, there are two kinds of truth. The one kind of truth is like mathematical truth. Two times two equals four. You don't need to keep rehearsing that every week in order to get it right. Once you've got it, you got it. Oh, but what about this? Love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. Or you are forgiven by the free grace of God. Or wherever you come or wherever you go, God is with you in unremitting love. Somehow we need to be reminded about these things or we forget it. Moses warned the people, he said, beware when you come to the land that the God gives you, that you and you build houses and you build cities and olive groves and have eaten and are full, beware that, lest you forget the Lord your God. And Jesus said about the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. You see, we need, need to remember to give justice to the poor and the hungry because God is with them too. People come to church lest they forget. The greatest tragedy, you know, of all is Christian Alzheimer disease. Remember you are a child of God lest you do not respect yourself. Remember that Jesus died for you before you're weighed down with a guilt that nags you like an automobile horn out of whack. Remember that Christ is the victor over death before you resign to depression or unbearable grief when you've lost somebody that you've loved very much. Third, we come because we seek forgiveness. I keep hearing this generation doesn't have any sense of sin. They, they talk about making mistakes or uh, screwing up or failing, but that they are not people with guilt that needs a divine uh, 
pardon. Well, I, I don't believe that. Deep down, we know that when it comes to being like Jesus, we miss the mark. We don't have unconditional love even toward those people we live with. We don't do the good things we ought to do. Consciously or unconsciously, we know we need cosmic forgiveness for not being what we are called to be and what we want to be. Even God must weep for how far we have fallen from our potential. As the pastor said at the day that this place was dedicated, he said, we come to church not because we are good, but because God is good. Some years ago, a famous clergyman who was a possibility pastor pronounced that he didn't have a prayer confession in the worship service because he said it was a downer. <laughs> On the contrary, confession frees the spirit, it tells the truth, and offers us a wondrous assurance of pardon. You are forgiven. We need to hear that often. Fourth, we come to church to find fellowship. Luther said once in him bombastic way, there's no such thing as a solitary Christian, period. Our faith knows about personal faith, but it does not know about private faith. Our faith wasn't born this morning, so we need the church of yesteryear in our scriptures and creeds and in the hymns and in the written prayers and through our own mothers and fathers who have gone before us. And now they bless us from the past. And we have this fellowship in the present. Someone told me this story. It's about Jacob and Samuel who were at the coffee hour following church. And another fellow came up and said, hey, Jacob, what are you doing in church? You don't believe much of anything. And Jacob said, well, let me tell you, Samuel comes to church to see God. I come to see Samuel. <laughs> you know, the story of Doubting Thomas is the common standard Bible reading for today. And as a disciple, Thomas kept saying that he couldn't believe that Jesus had returned to life. But then Jesus came to him and showed, showed his wounded hands and sighed, and he believed. And then Jesus, Jesus said to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and come to believe. Who are those people? That's us. We hold each other up when we are doubting. Through the years, how many, how many have said to me, I was held up when I was down by the people of the congregation who stood beneath me and alongside me and behind me and before me. Some others said there were church people who helped me to believe when I nearly lost my faith. And because of then, I began to doubt my doubts. We need each other. I remember the slogan of the Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. The slogan is, it's, it's tragic to be lonely in New York City. It's tragic to be lonely in Sarasota or in Pittsburgh or any other place in this country. We come to church because of the fellowship that we find here. Fifth, we come to church because we want God in Christ to bless our crucial moments in our life. Have you ever thought about it? 
How many in my ministry have asked me, how many weddings have you done? How many, how many funerals have you done? How many baptisms have you done? And I never counted, but I knew why the people came. Why? They came for God to bless their baby who was announced as a, as a child, not just of the couple, but a child of God and a child of this family. They are all our children. They came to see young people becoming adults and committing themselves in, in, on the chancel steps, kneeling and being confirmed. Some came as a couple to marry at a time of exaltation, but also a time of terror. <laughs> they wanted God to be the third member in their home to give them strength to share life together. They came to see pastors, and in some cases, we we'll say women pastors and elders and deacons ordained to their special ministries. They come to funerals grieving for people that they have loved and are hoping that they will hear some note of victory and promise for life after death. Likely they would not hear that at the local country club, not at the bar either as people click their glasses to celebrate a person's life now over. You know, in the years that I was in this room, I never concluded a memorial service without repeating the words of an Easter hymn. The strife is o'er, the battle done, the victory of life is won, the sound of triumph has begun. Hallelujah. You say that in the face of death. The powers of death have done their worst, but Christ their legions has dispersed. Let shouts of holy joy outburst. Hallelujah. Lord, by the whites, by the wounds on Calvary, from death's dread sting, your servants free, that we may live eternally. Hallelujah. And I didn't have them ever sing it <laughs> because the congregation was still working with grieving and having difficulty to sing. It's a big hymn. But after I read the words, I asked the organist to play it full, play it with joy. Finally, they come to church to receive power. Here's where it counts. A member of a former church used to say to me, I come to church to get my batteries charged. What do you see after worship on a Sunday morning as people go out of these doors. Some say they see a lot of people heading for brunch or coffee hour. <laughs> I see an army of people going out to the week ahead and they go with the Holy Spirit empowering them to be true neighbors, to be Christ's person in businesses and in service industries and at homes and in retirement communities. And it doesn't stop there. How do you explain, how do you ever explain to anybody how we have a counseling program to help the hurting, or why we go out to an eye clinic in Honduras, or why do we offer bread to the hungry, or helping in communities where there are hurricanes and tornadoes that wreak havoc. Why do we do that? Well, on and on it goes with the Spirit of Christ giving power that begins in church that's here. In this past week, 
One of our morning news programs was complaining about the plight of the world. Most news programs do that today. They talked about the rape of Ukraine, China's threat, political antagonism, and the hundreds and hundreds of murders with mass shootings. It seemed like everything was going to hell. And then the news people invited Rear Admiral Barry C. Black, who was chaplain of the Senate, to respond and ask him what he thought about the future. And the clergyman said something like this. He said, we're approaching Holy Week and Easter. Good Friday showed us how terrible our world is when we will crucify the best and bring about darkness. But he said, along comes the trumpets of Easter, and we see the light. And we celebrate that our God and the Church of Jesus Christ will finally win. That's what we need to come to church to hear. Our God in Christ triumphs. And that's why last week this congregation rose to their feet at the close of our Easter worship and the choir rejoiced in song. Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. That's why we need to come to church. So what about you this morning? as we celebrate this worship space. Are you here to meet God? Are you here to seek ultimate forgiveness? Are you here because you want to be a friend to someone who's watching your faith and just won't make it unless he can hold on to you? Or are you here to celebrate the power of new life in Christ? In any case, when some little person comes up to you and asks, Hey, is God in here? Don't you back down. Don't you excuse yourself. You say you bet he is. God is here in a rare and marvelous way. Amen. <laughs>